Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How is everyone doing on this nice, bright, shiny, sunny, shiny, shiny, sunny morning? It is currently just after 10 a.m. and the sunlight is pouring through the blinds. That's why I opened them to let some sunlight in. But before I begin talking about today's episode, we have a happy birthday to throw out to one of the cast members of Silver Spoons. Can you guess who it is? It's Ricky Schroeder, who played Ricky Stratton himself. He is celebrating his 49th birthday. 49! Oh my goodness. Happy birthday, Ricky Schroeder. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day today. Which, how funny is that? Like, we just did a birthday episode for Silver Spoons entitled Happy Birthday. And then his birthday comes, his Ricky Schroeder, the actor's birthday, actually comes around. I just, I thought that was cool. Well, today I'm going to be talking about, I don't know if this is really so much a serious episode. It's season two, episode 12, entitled The World's Greatest Father. JT's dad gets angry when his son agrees with Rick that Edward is the world's greatest father because of the time they spend together. So Edward gives Rick a lesson in appreciating the advantages he has. So that'll be kind of interesting. And this is the last time we will see JT, the character. Bobby, is it Fit? F-I-T-E? Fight? I can't pronounce his last name, but... This is this actor's last appearance on the show. And then in a few more episodes, it will be the last appearance of Derek Taylor, played by Jason Bateman. Wow. Man, so that means that all there's left as a friend right now is Freddy. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. Freddy's a nice guy. Maybe sometimes a little too nice. Like I said, he's the yes man of the group. Which, that group is pretty much just a duo. A pair. It's been reduced to a pair. So this episode has a 7.3 rating. It aired on January 21st, 1984. So 7.3 out of 10 based on 19 ratings. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duclin, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Glenn Padnick. It was written by also Howard Leeds, the creator Ben Starr, and Martin Cohen. Uh, connections. We get a reference to Hee Hall. LB, who is JT's father, mentions watching the show with his son. I used to watch Hee Haw on TV back in the early 90s. We have some soundtrack credits here. We have Sweet George Brown, and it's performed by Franklin Seals. And The Yellow Rose of Texas, music by Don George. 
All right, let's say hey to some podcast listeners. We have Reno, Nevada, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Brazil, Phoenix, Arizona, United Kingdom, let's see, Norway, Lansing, Michigan, Bellingham, Massachusetts, and Swanee, Georgia. All right, let's get into this episode. Alright, we come out of the intro, and why is Phil dressed like a bank robber? Or not a bank, no, he's dressed like one of those 1930s, 40s prisoners that's got the black and white striped jumpsuit, and he's got a, one of those um, ball and chain type things. Kate is, of course, working at her desk, and we see Dexter coming out of the library with a box full of, I'm not sure what that is, receipts, papers, garbage. (laughs) So Dexter's got good news, and Kate is like, let me guess, the IRS called off Edward's audit. Like, oh, an audit, oh no. And I gotta say, I'm guessing, is this on Erin Gray's part? Because her hair is actually shorter than the last episode, so she must have gotten it cut. Oh no, the box that Dexter's holding is just a bunch of receipts for Edward to add up. Or for Kate to add up, his, uh, Edward's receipts. So, we head over to the front door, we got Ricky and JT, they are wearing polyester baseball jackets like you would wear if you're on a softball league or a baseball league or a t-ball league or whatever well uh, little league you know it's the kind that have the it's like a satiny blue polyester with the white stripes on the cuff of the wrist and also at the waist at the bottom And we hear Edward shouting from outside, Hey boys, can you give me a hand? Let me guess, he is laddled down with baseball bats and gloves and other sports equipment, right? So this has got to be an indication that, because in another episode later this season, there is an episode where Ricky plays baseball, like his teammate, it's a... um, co-ed baseball team or softball team or whatever and um so this could be good continuity if that's in fact what this is so the boys turn to go out the door to help edward and we see on the back their team is sponsored by eddie toys and edward's like i need help with this equipment really guys come on boys you can give your dad a hand can't you I mean, he did drive you to the game or practice or wherever you've been. Yeah, they each take a baseball, JT and Ricky do as they come in. Like, are you kidding me? Edward comes in. He's got a bag full of bats. He's got catcher's mitts and a helmet and one of those guards that go over the umpire, the catcher's face or the umpire's face or someone's face. And what looks like possibly like knee pads or something. He's just loaded down with a bunch of stuff. Is that a bag on his other side too? Oh my goodness. Oh, it's a duffel bag. Okay. So they got the jackets. And Dexter's like, Edward, are you sponsoring Richard's baseball team? 
Well, someone's got to sponsor him, right? So Dexter, of course, is excited because that counts as another deduction for Edward. So I'm going to play this clip as JT thanks Edward for teaching him how to do a hook slide, which I don't know what that is. Clearly, it's a baseball term of sorts. All right, so I looked up the definition of a hook slide. A foot-first slide to a base in a baseball game in which the runner with both legs extended throws the body to either side to avoid the fielder covering the base and hooks the base with the inside foot. Interesting. Great. Hey, Mr. Stratton. I really want to thank you for taking the time to show me how to do a hook slide. Oh, my pleasure, JT. By the way, how's your butt? <laughs> fine, fine. Only next time, I'm going to take the keys out of my back pocket. <laughs> so I'm guessing that JT ended up ramming into Edward's butt with his feet. I, I don't know how this whole scenario went down because I didn't see it. I wasn't there. But <laughs> Edward's like, yeah, my, my butt is just fine. Um, Next time i got to remember, of course, to take the keys out of my butt. I mean, out of my back pocket. I'm sorry. Ugh. Edward changes the subject, says, hey, how are my taxes coming along? And Kate reveals that she and Dexter are going to have to pull an all-nighter to get all this done before the audit. So Dexter reveals he's got a few tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters that were passed along from one celebrity to another celebrity, from Henry Kissinger, Calvin Klein, who gave them to Henry Kissinger, who gave them to... So he gave them to Woody Allen, who gave them to Mag someone McGillicuddy, and then they eventually passed to Dexter. So Dexter... Probably does taxes for a lot of celebrities. So, or he just, he's in the end. He, he, he's got connections and everything. So, who's this McGillicuddy? I'm going to look this guy up because Ricky knows who he is. I don't know who this guy is, but Ricky knows. All right, I looked up Fred McGillicuddy. I ain't getting nothing on, on the internet on Fred McGillicuddy except for MySpace and Twitter and other hoopla poopla like that. Who is this guy? I want to know. So Dexter's kind of bummed out that he can't go. He's like, oh, I love Sweet George Brown, as he starts to sing the song. So it's that, because I know the Harlem Globetrotters, that da-dun-da-dun song, um, as they're, you know, doing their magic trick hoop shots. And, I mean, everyone's familiar with that tune that plays that while the guys are doing their thing, their ba uh, basketball players. So, yeah, Franklin Seals, who plays Dexter, rest in peace, R.I.P., gets to do a little uh, song number. I mean, we've heard Joel Higgins, who plays Edward, sing plenty. He's got an amazingly beautiful, John Denverish quality of a voice. Very beautiful. So Dexter Seals, of course, gets to show off his singing voice. Very nice. And he's like, oh, are you two interested in going? And, and Ricky's all for it. He's like, come on, Dan, can we go? Can we go? Please, please, please. And Edward, unfortunately, has, what, a board meeting or some meeting? So he really, he can't do it. Oh, it's a business meeting. And Kate adds, that's right, you're having dinner with Sam Wu. Okay, so basically, Edward's got to deal with this Sam Wu, who is the toy distributor distributor in Taiwan. So, of course, Edward needs to get that overseas deal. So I'm going to play this clip as poor little Ricky's getting let down because his dad actually has to work 
for his job. Because he's, Dad, I want to go to that game. Why won't you take me? I know you blow off Mr. Sam Woo. We don't need your toys to go overseas and be sold. Oh, that reminds me. What? I have some tickets I can't use. Calvin Klein gave them to Henry Kissinger, who gave them to Woody Allen, who gave them to Fred McGillicuddy, who gave them to me. Wow! You know Fred McGillicuddy? Yes. <laughs> what are the tickets for? They're for the Harlem Globetrotters game tonight. The Globetrotters? Yeah, I wish I could go. I love sweet Georgia Brown. <laughs> in Taiwan. It's imperative your father woo-woo-woo. That's <laughs> true. Uh, true. I'm sorry. Dad, I really want to go to that game. Jeepers. <laughs> Kate, hmm? why don't you call Stu Kendall and see if uh, he can cover that meeting for me, huh? Sure. Thanks, Dad. Ah, it's all right. Well, let's stew. Woo, woo. <laughs> Toodaloo. <laughs> Me too. Dad. I'm surprised, you know. Uh, Edward tells Kate to have some other guy sit in on that business dinner meeting. And apparently there's four tickets. I thought that there were only two, but... Ricky brings up the whole thing of, like, hey, Dad, do you think that we could uh, invite JT and his dad? And Edward's for it. He's like, yeah, it'll give me a chance because I really want to meet JT's dad. And it doesn't seem like um, JT's really happy. <laughs> like, eh, my dad's busy. He has no time. He's got no time for me. No time for basketball games either. Dad, since we got two extra tickets, can we bring JT and his dad? Sure, I'll give me a chance to meet your father, JT. I doubt if he'll go, Mr. Stratton. My dad doesn't do very many things with me. He's not like you. Well, why doesn't he do things with you? He works all the time. I think he cares more about his job than he does about me. Well, I know what you mean, JT. You know, I used to think my father cared more about his work than he did about me. I really wanted to talk to him about that, but I just couldn't get an appointment. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the three of us will go, huh? Tonight I'll have two sons. Uh, thanks, Mr. Stratton. You're probably the world's greatest father. Ah. What do you mean, probably? My dad is the greatest father in the whole wide world. Ah. The whole universe. Ah, come on, Rick. We only know about this one planet, for sure. <laughs> well, I better skedaddle. It's about time to tie on the old feedback. See you later. All right, see you at 7, JT. So this is a nice little uh, semi-ish bonding moment that Edward and JT have over the fact that their dads both work too much and don't have time to spend with their kids. And JT's like, wow, Rick, your dad is like the greatest dad out there. The greatest dad in the whole world. And Edward is just like, push off. No, no, I'm not. And Ricky adds, like, yeah, you're right, my dad's, like, the greatest dad in the world. Maybe even the universe. 
And everyone's like, oh, go on. So JT's dad is out. They will just all three go to the game together. And Ever's like, you know what? Tonight I'll have two sons. And JT's like, well, I gotta get home and uh, put something in my tum-tum because all that baseball's making me hungry. Now see you at 7 or 6.30 or whatever time they decided to go on. This could easily be a continuity error after JT leaves. Ricky is talking to his dad saying, oh, poor JT, and all the years that I've known him, don't you mean year? You've only been living with your dad a year. You didn't know JT before this. Or did he? What? I mean, him and his, Ricky and his mom were probably in New York too, right? They must have been not that far away. Well, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So Ricky can't believe the fact that He's known JT for a bit now, and he's never really mentioned too much about his dad. And he still can't, he can't fathom the idea that a guy would have a kid and not want to have anything to do with him. And, of course, this brings up those sour feelings, once again, of Edward and his father, and how his father chose his business over spending time with his son. So, we go into the next scene. There's a ring of the doorbell. We find that the door clicker opener is actually right on that table that's five feet away from the door. Edward opens it. This guy is ready, that comes through the door, is ready to tango. Uh, he's got a flannel button-up shirt. He's, like, just like JT is like a walking, talking cowboy kid. This guy is really no different. He comes in. I'm surprised this guy don't come in swinging. Is he, you, are you Mr. Stratton? Edward Stratton? Like, this guy wants to kick Edward's butt. And he wastes, oh my goodness gracious. I'm playing this clip. Guys, I'm kind of scared. Like, what's going to happen? Is that guy going to take a swing at Edward? Yes? Are you Edward Stratton? Yes, I am. Can I help you? Well, I'm L.B. Martin, J.T.'s father. Well, I'm pleased to meet you. Stratton, I got a bone to pick with you. What seems to be the problem? The, the problem? Well, well, the problem is you're always taking my son to the movies, or, or video arcades, or, or miniature golf. Uh, you're coaching his baseball team. And tonight, to top it off, you want to take him to see the Harlem Globetrotters. You're right. I should be shocked. <laughs> funny, Stratton. If I wanted jokes, I'd go turn on Hee Haw. <laughs> now listen, your son would much rather you do these things with him, but it seems to me you're so wrapped up in your job, you can't give him much attention. Oh yeah, I'm wrapped up in my job. Since we moved here from Texas, I've been holding down two jobs to keep bread on the table. But it's easy for you to do things with your kid because you're rich. Well, I'm not. Mr. Martin, look. No, no, you look. I get home from my day job at 5 o'clock. That gives me 20 minutes to woof down my dinner. And then I get five minutes to spend with each of my three kids before I go to my night job. You know how JT and I spent our five minutes tonight? With him telling me what a great father you are. And me feeling like an out-and-out disgrace. I guess that's got to be pretty rough. Yeah. I finally got mad. Told him he couldn't go with you tonight. Don't you think that's a little harsh? Couldn't you ask your boss for just this one night off to be with your son? Yeah, right, for a basketball game. Oh, he'd give me the night off, all right. He'd give me every night off. 
I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Wait. Oh, I don't want your sorryosity. <laughs> but I do envy you for one thing, Stratton. Time, uh, the free time that you have to spend with your son and mine. Well, I gotta get going. I'm late for my night job. So couldn't you rearrange your schedule somehow? Open your eyes, Stratton. You know, I may not be seeing my son as much as I want, but at least he's getting a pretty fair idea of what the world's really like. It's yours. All right, so let's uh, let's unpack this. We learn a lot. This is a major information dump coming from Mr. Martin, JT's dad. They did come from Texas, because I'm like, yeah, he's got that, that drawl, just like JT does. And not only that, he's got two other kids besides JT. And not only that, and none of what he said did we hear anything about a wife. So I'm guessing he could be a widower who moved from Texas to New York. And this guy is busting his butt. He's working two jobs. And Edward, I gotta, I gotta side with JT's dad here. Edward has no clue what it's like. Edward came from money. He doesn't know what it's like to struggle to put food on the table for your kids working two jobs. And he, he doesn't get time to spend with his kids. He's got maybe 20 minutes, he says, to eat dinner and get an earful from JT about how Edward is the greatest father in the world. Now, that's got a sting. This guy's doing everything he can to provide for his three kids, possibly by himself, because he's working two jobs. And, well, he lives in New York, so you probably do have to work two jobs just to try to make barely make ends meet but edward's like can't you rearrange with your schedule can't you take one night off uh edward you've never had a real job have you you have to some employers will not let you do that right away that stuff you got to put that in in advance at least a week or two weeks in advance and you know um JT's dad is doing all of this for his kids. And to hear that some other father is just coming in there and monopolizing his son, his time with his son, I mean, it's almost like a big brother situation, bigger brothers, bigger sisters, where you have somebody come in and take you places because maybe your parent might be out of the picture and they're taking he's like you're always taking JT to movies are you going to you know you're coaching his softball his baseball team and I'm thinking um well Edward's son is also on that team I'm sure Edward would not be coaching that team unless his son was on there which he is so but he's just getting really really fired up he just he's doing everything he can to provide for his kids and it just feels like he's not getting any gratitude. And he's getting this shoved in his face of, This guy's the greatest because he spends time with me. You don't spend time with me, Dad. Because you work two jobs. So I've just been thinking about this. I, 
I'll agree Edward does work hard, but the type of, he runs a bunch of companies, or he over, he creates these companies, he has other people work for him, and then he kind of oversees their work, whereas JT's father is a man that is out working two jobs, barely has time to see his kids, barely has time, 20 minutes to eat dinner before he goes off to his second job. Five minutes each for each of his kids. And he has to hear about how great Ricky Stratton's father is and how great of a father substitute he is to JT. That's gotta that's gotta cut his dad deep with that. He's doing all of this for his kid. And he just feels like he's not being appreciated. So of course, the way that JT's dad retaliates against JT is telling him he cannot go to the Harlem Globetrotters game tonight. And I think JT's dad did that not only out of anger, but maybe out of a little bit of spite. And this is, of course, where Edward cuts in with, like, Oh, can't you just ask your boss for a day off or rearrange your schedule? And JT's dad looks at Edward like, you have no idea how a job actually works and how you have a boss. It's like, sure, I can ask for a day off. He'll give me the day off and he'll give me the next day and the next day because I'll get fired. So hey, I got a comment on uh, JT's father's, what is his name, LB or something? I, but he, he's wearing a really nice blue... You know, a denim jacket, and he's got a white, he's got a red and white checkered button-up, kind of flannelish, almost like the opposite of what uh, Edward's wearing, but he just looks like a down-home country boy, as, you know, he came from Texas and everything, he's got that southern drawl, but he does, before he leaves, tells Edward, you know, I envy you. You know, he envies Edward for the time he gets to spend with his kid. And he also adds, and for the time that you are taking to spend with my son. And the guy's gotta go. He's like, I'm already late for my night job. I'm probably gonna catch hell for it now. For having to come here and speak to you. And as the guy reaches for the doorknob, Edward tries again. Can't you rearrange your schedule? And I'm like, Edward, stop it. He already told you he's working two jobs. Now, unless his kid's in the hospital because of an accident, or he's that kid's on his, sick on his deathbed, that is probably the only way that man is going to be able to get out of his work and see his kid. That's the only, probably the only reason that his boss would even let that, if he would even let him off for that. So, JT's dad turns from the door to face Edward, points his finger at his face, and he's like, open your eyes, Stratton. What have I just been telling you? At least my son is getting a clear picture of how the real world works. You work your butt off for what you got. And I'm not saying that Edward hasn't done that. But be honest. Edward has had it a lot easier than this man. Edward comes for money. This guy clearly does not. He's got to work for everything that he has. And I'm not saying that Edward hasn't done that. It's just that things come easier to Edward. 
and their financial and their family situations are completely different. So before you go and compare your father who was building his empire and couldn't spend time with you, Edward, you're comparing your father to this man, JT's, you know, JT's dad. You're, you're comparing, but they are two totally different people with two totally different backgrounds. And this guy just spent time spieling his whole backstory to us and to Edward. And Edward still is not getting a clear picture. So JT's dad leaves Edward with parting words. My son's got a good picture of what the real world is really like. Does yours? Because think about it, your kid's getting handed everything to him. He really isn't having to see someone who's busting their hump every day to put food on, to put food on the table for his kids. I mean, think about it. Edward's got servants who do his laundry, cook his meals, all of that stuff. This guy don't got that. We hear the train whistle blow, and Ricky is on the train, gliding past the double French doors and into the... I bet anything he is going to say, Rick, I can't go to the game with you. I'm going to go to the meeting. I think that is a dose of reality he's going to give Ricky, because... In that description on IMDb, it does say that Edward teaches his son kind of a lesson in, in, in that. And how it's interesting, after JT's dad says that, is your kid getting a good dose of how the real world works? We see um, Ricky coming in on that train. Like, well, no, because nobody in the world has a train track set in their living room. So I guess we can call this what? Edward's reality check? <laughs> Hi, Dad. Rick, I just found out JT can't go to the game tonight. How come? Because that's the way his dad wants it. Parents, they're a totally different animal. <laughs> <laughs> How about we take Tuffy and Chubby Butterman? No, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. There are only four seats. If we bring the Buttermans, there won't be room for us. <laughs> I'm going to run down the Bud's back balls and buy myself a new mitt. I'll just tell Bud to charge it, okay? Hold it, hold it, hold it. No, no. It's not okay. <laughs> What's the matter with the mitt you have? Well, Bucky Dan's autograph is wearing off. Look, it just says Aki Ent. <laughs> Here, I'll fix it. No, it's not. Not when it's on leather. <laughs> Look, Rick, I've been thinking. And I've decided I'm not going to that game tonight either. What? Well, why not? Son, I really do have to work tonight. <laughs> this is a joke, right? You're kidding. <laughs> Sometimes my work has to come first. Do you understand? Sure, sure, I understand. I understand that you made a promise to do something with me, and now you're welching on that promise. Thanks a lot. So, when Ricky shuts the train off, that's when Edward says JT cannot go to the game. And Ricky's like, well, why not? 
And Edward says, because that's the way his father wants it. So Ricky's like, okay, well, we'll just ask uh, Chubby and Tubby Butterman to go with us. However, when, you know, we, when they sit down, we're not going to, as in, he's fat shaming the uh, Buttermans, you know, because they'd take up more than one seat. And Edward says, well, you know what? No, I'm not going to the game. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Before that, Ricky's like, I'm going to run down to this uh, sporting goods store and buy myself a new mitt. And he says, I'll charge it to the card. And immediately, Edward is realizing just how easy his son has it and how non-complicated he finds it that he can just spend, 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 and no one will be any... He has no concept of money and how expensive things are. And he... It's just, yeah. So, Edward is just... What? JT's dad is put into his head. He is really thinking on it and saying, yes, my son has it very, very easy. He doesn't... The fact that he thinks he can just go down to a sporting goods store, buy a new mitt, he's like, what is wrong with the other one? And here's Ricky's response. Oh, well, the autograph that I got on this mitt is wearing off. Then why are you getting a new mitt? Oh, I get it. Because if he keeps playing with that mitt, that autograph is going to wear off even more until it's non-existent. So he probably wants to keep that glove for good and then have a mitt that he can just play with. Okay, if someone autographed autographed a baseball mitt of mine, would I play with it? No, that would be a souvenir. You that is something you you don't play with. You set that up and it collects um what's the word I'm looking for? It uh appreciates in value, is that it? It's kind of what I'm hoping those uh Walking Dead Funko Pops that I have in a uh, a tote somewhere eventually will um be worth money cuz I've never taken them out of the boxes. The boxes are pretty much in very good condition. They're in mint condition, and I'm hoping that would be worth quite a lot of money, you know, when they stop making certain ones or something. I think the Scar Lion King Funko Pop I have is almost worth a hundred bucks. I'll have to check the Funko Pop price guideline. Oh my gosh, so I have my collection. I haven't added to it in a while. I probably should do that. But the total estimated value is just over $1,700. I just realized I don't even have my Daryl Dixon uh, Funko Pop Pop keychain. Let's see. What are... I should say the most valuable. Holy moo. Oh my god. It says, okay, my top ten. Scar's at number one, and it's worth $135. And then we have Daniel LaRusso at 65 John Bender, The Breakfast Club, 55 Steve, Summer Convention, Stranger Things, 50 E.T. is worth 40 Wow. That is... I am never selling that. I am never selling it. I should have... See, some people, I think, probably go and get, like, two of ones that they think are valuable. So, they probably keep one for themselves and then one to, like, leave to appreciate and value so they can sell it one day. That's... I'm sorry. I probably bored the heck out of you guys with that. Um, but Edward says to Ricky, I'm sorry, I'm not going to the game either. And 
Ricky, of course, his dad's welching on their agreement that they're his promise. Just like in the last episode, the uneasy rider, where Ricky was excited he and his dad were gonna get dirt bikes, and Edward said, "No, we're not doing that." And Edward tells Ricky, "I'm sorry, but you have to understand that sometimes my work comes first. When is that meeting supposed to be? That he's supposed to have with that um, that guy that oversees um, toy collector." Because I thought you said he was going to have someone else do it, unless he's going to call up the guy who was going to go in his place and say, hey, don't worry about it, I got this, you enjoy your weekend off. Of course, we go to commercial with Edward sitting there just looking like, I know I've disappointed my son, but I know this is the right thing to do. Is this the next day or later that evening? Because Ricky was wearing that satin polyester Eddie Toys baseball jacket oh it must be later that day because dexter and kate are wearing the same clothes that they were wearing at the beginning of the episode oh ricky's gonna pitch a fit here because his dad's gone to a meeting and ricky's bored i have nothing to do Looks like we have a very sad young man in our hands. <laughs> I'll have a little chat with him. <laughs> Cheer up, Richard. <laughs> if you don't pick that chin up, we'll have to put shoes on it. Dexter, will I ever understand grown-ups? Of course. When you become one. And that's a wonderful feeling. Until you suddenly realize you no longer understand children. So, Ricky's like, as he plops himself on the couch, we cut to Kate and Dexter, who are working on Edward's taxes. And the way that they kind of tilt their heads together, I thought they were going to go like, aww, what a depressed little teenage boy we have on our hands, which is almost kind of what they do. So Dexter's like, oh, you know, I'll talk to him. And the way he's like, cheer up, Rick. I thought he was going to do a rendition of Cheer Up Charlie from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but instead of Cheer Up Charlie, it's like, cheer up, Ricky, Richard. I mean, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory did come out in 71, so it's been over a decade. That movie would be relevant. So I looked at it, I was like, when did that come out on VHS? Because it's 1984. Have any movies come out on VHS at this point? Because they do have VCRs, so it would make a point for them to have movies. So... It says it came out in 96, so we're still a good 12 years away from Willy Wonka being available to watch. So Ricky looks at Dexter like, Dexter, will I ever understand adults? And Dexter's like, of course you will, Richard, when you become one. And then when you become an adult, you'll realize what a sad, sad life you have. 
Okay, so I did find some. It said the first three American flicks were released on VHS, The Sound of Music, Patton, and MASH, at an average retail cost of 50 to 70 each. Which, I remember back in the day when a movie would come out, not every VHS that came out was available to purchase right away. You had your Disney movies that came out, um, your most popular ones, and then you had to wait probably six months? or so for an average movie that you wanted to come out on VHS, which, I mean, when I go to the video store, I would get the little booklet, and it would always say, like, retail price, which would be, like, close to $80, which is how much the video stores end up paying for these rental movies to rent them out. That's probably why that costs so much to rent a movie back in the day, was, gosh, when I worked at, because when I worked at Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, um, they still had VHS at Hollywood Video, um, but by the time I got there, they were slowly phasing them out, I think, after a couple years. There weren't nearly as many, but even that, I think the average rental price was $3.99, and I think the same went for the VHS movies, too. So, Dexter is saved on any more question answering via the doorbell. Is it JT? Did he come over? Or is it JT and his father? It's JT! JT looks really nice! He's got this really nice Sherpa-lined sleeveless jacket, and he's wearing, of course, the jeans and the blue and white patterned long-sleeved button-down He's all excited, like, hey, me and my dad can go to the Harlem Globetrotters game now. And, of course, I'm sure Ricky's got to break the news. Like, oh, my dad, um, actually, he couldn't go. He's got to work. Um, he gave the tickets to somebody else. I'm sorry. So I'm guessing not only what um, JT's father said got to Edward, but what Edward said got to JT's dad. Isn't it interesting how all these... These problems all seem to get solved in 30 minutes, which, of course, standard sitcom procedure. Hi. Hey, Rick, guess what? My dad and I can go to the Globetrotters game after all. You can? Yep. My dad looked his boss straight in the eyes and said, I'm taking my son to a basketball game tonight, whether you like it or not. His boss back right then. Oh, what did you say, Mr. Mom? Oh, he ain't that something. <laughs> JT's father, he looked his boss straight in the eye and said, hey, I'm taking my boy to a basketball game. You got a problem with that? And of course his boss was like, oh, no, no, Mr. Martin, whatever you want, sir. You can do whatever you want. Although, who knows how that actually went down. Maybe that's his uh, G-rated version of it. 
Like, oh, by the way, um, I'll be pounding the payment and looking for a new second job tomorrow. We'll just enjoy the game tonight, son. Turns out, of course, Ricky still got the tickets, so he hands them over to JT. Because uh, JT's like, hey, grab your dad, let's go, let's vamoose. And JT's dad has one of those novelty horns, as you hear in that clip. So, Rick, Ricky's like, hey, look, buddy, I, dude, I can't do it. You and your dad, you go, have a great time, you guys clearly need this. I'm going to stay here and sulk. Because JT's like, hey, man, come on, then you can come with us. But Ricky, of course, like, I can't do that. That would be kind of a bummer, wouldn't it? I mean, it's great quality time for JT and his dad, but Ricky would probably feel like the third wheel in that scenario. All right, looks like, uh, I don't know, what's Ricky going to do? Is he going to bug Kate and Dexter some more because he's bored? decided to work tonight? Sure, there's a reason. Because he cares more about his job than he does about me. Mm. Ricky, your father does more things with you than any parent I know. Then how come he deserted me tonight? Is that what you think, that he deserted you? Yeah. Well, you know what I think? What? I think you're hungry. <laughs> Let's go out and eat. No one. Yeah, come on. Kate, while you're in there, mention Eddie Toys. That way the meal will be deductible. <laughs> so, of course, Ricky goes back to sitting on the couch and pouting. It's like, oh, my dad doesn't have time for me. He chose his work over me. Ah. And I'm all like... Look at this, Ricky. This is a this is a violin, and it's playing a tune. <laughs> sob, sob, sob. Boy, you don't know how lucky you have it. You have no one one time your dad flakes on you because of his job, and you act like he's never spent time with you. Come on. And even Kate is like, oh, wow, yeah, your daddy's such an ogre of a father. Like, And Ricky looks at her, almost rolling his eyes, like, Kate, sarcasm does not look good on you. She's like, well, pouting doesn't look good on you. So that's it. And, and she kind of gets irritated, which I would too if I were her. Like, I'm not going to stand here and listen to you badmouth your dad to me. And she's like, you know what you are? <laughs> and he's like, what? She's like, you're hungry. Let's go get something to eat. And he's like, nah, I don't want. And she, like, forcibly takes him by the shoulders, guides him out the door. And, of course, Dexter's like, oh, Kate, while well, you're out, mention Eddie Toy so we'll get a tax deduction on the meal. <laughs> hey, if it counts, it counts, right? 
So we actually get a shot of it's outside of the house, which is kind of cool. We don't get those a whole lot. It's a nice little Italian eatery that has pizza and spaghetti. So Kate and Ricky walk through the door. Ricky's still like, Kate, I told you I'm not hungry. I'd be like, oh, you're hungry and you're going to be eaten. So you just focus on your appetite. Keep arguing me with me because that will just make you that much more hungrier. Okay, I'm about ready to slap that child across the face. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but he's saying, first my dad deserts me. Oh, oh young man. I'm going to play this clip. Pitiful, pitiful Ricky. Alright, I'm going to play this little clip because, Ricky, I only got one thing to say to you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what this is? This is the world's smallest tambourine. And it's and it's playing some sort of song or something. Shut up, that's a violin. Alright, so here is the clip of them going to the restaurant. Is this where Edward's having his business? Ma I don't... Would it be? I, it might be. Kate, I told you I'm not hungry. <laughs> well, we're here now. Great. First my dad deserts me, then his girlfriend takes him out of forced march. Good evening. Good evening. Two for dinner? Yes. Uh, right here is nice. Hey, young fellow. Oh, allow me, signorina, please. You know, I must apologize for seating you at an unclear table, but uh, you see, tonight we're extremely busy. Very, very busy. And I'm... Uh, I'm certain that we're just not up to our usual standards of excellence and uh, elegance. <laughs> but I intend to rectify that situation immediately. Hey! Clean up this crud! What in the world? What is he doing there? So this guy um, who works there sits... Kate and Ricky down. Like, I'm sorry the table's still a little messy from the previous uh, patrons. Uh, and he's like, normally we're up to snuff with everything. Um, and he shouts, Eddie. I did not think anything of this. I had no clue. But Edward comes out dressed as... An employee with a paper hat and the apron, and a he's got like 25 to 50 what looks like either full or empty pizza boxes. So clearly, he let that other guy go to the meeting and says, Don't he didn't even call him. He wanted to see what it was like to have a demanding, physically straining job, which. I guess he just wants to see something from JT's father's point of view. Because whatever, what he said really hit home for Edward. I'd be like, hey, Edward, you want to, that's great. You want to jump into customer service? How about you go get a job at that factory that or that uh, JT's dad works at? That is real manual labor. Not, I'm not discounting. I've worked in customer service. I know how grueling it can be. So we get a little bit of physical humor from Joel Higgins here as he is got this stack of pizza boxes. So am I under the impression that these are full pizza boxes with full pizza inside of them? 
because we have some patrons. One lady's actually still waiting, probably waiting for her food, and it's just reading a magazine. And a couple of the other patrons are actually watching Edward with these physical gags he's got going on. As he's, some guy actually pulled out a chair as he got ready to leave, right in front of Edward, who of course stands on the chair while still balancing these pizza boxes. So Edward actually maneuvers this tall stack of like 30 pizza boxes over to this table where there is a small stack of like four pizza boxes stacked. And as he sets it down on this red and white checkered tablecloth table, we get an applause from the audience because of course someone who can maneuver around a crowded restaurant with this, t and none of them drop, it, drop at all on the floor. It's like he's holding uh, a Jenga tower and moving around, arrest, trying not to drop the Jenga blocks. So I wanted to look up who I'm guessing would be Edward's boss at this pizza parlor. His name is Eddie Barth, and he, R.I.P., because he, oh, that's who he is! I thought that voice sounded familiar. Um, he passed away in 2010. Yeah, I recognize that voice from, um, Full House Season 1 of where, uh, Danny was a sportscaster and he interviewed Reggie the Sandman and the guy who plays Eddie's boss was the Sandman's manager. So the last thing this guy did was two episodes of two different people in a animated show on... Is that Nickelodeon? It's called As Told by Ginger. Uh, he was also in 20... Oh, he did Frank the Pug in the Men in Black animated series that ran from 97 to 2001. So, alright. He was Nigel slash Allen in Babe, Pig in the City, which was the sequel, which... It was just okay. Let's see, what else has he done? Uh, three episodes of Murder, She Wrote... Um, uh, Biker Mice from Mars. He was in an episode of That's Another Animal. Okay, A uh, Night Court. He was in three different episodes. Rover Dangerfield. The Outsiders, because of course there had to have been a TV series based on the movie that was based on the book The Outsiders. An Eight is Enough Wedding. So that's a TV movie. There's a TV movie of the show... This second made, oh, a second made television reunion film for Eight is Enough. Wow, there, uh, Full House. He played Lou in season one, episode seven, Knock Yourself Out, which aired on October 30th, 198, so the day before Halloween. Um, he was in Life with Lucy, um, The Love Boat, he was in an episode of that, um, he was only in one episode of Silver Spoons, we never see this man again after this episode, um, my golly, this man's got a career, good grief, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a great career, but he's kind of a one-note dude, oh, Edward, oh, Edward, <laughs> so he puts a hand to his chest, like, whew, that was, uh, Amazing feat getting that those 30 boxes of pizza. And then he goes to sit on the edge of the table, which, of course, that table is going to collapse right underneath him. The pizza boxes are going to go all over the place. I'm sure those had to be empty pizza boxes. He probably made all of those up. You know what I find 
really frustrating is when you get a pizza... I probably only am the only one in the world that has this issue. Where you open up the pizza box, you get your pizza slices that you want out of the box, and then I have difficulty, like, shutting... Like, the tabs at the back have to be adjusted just so, so that way the top of the box falls just right, so there's no gaps in between letting in air to make your pizza stale. But Jeremy, of course, is like, no, you do it this way. Why is this so hard for you? Well, because of that commotion, Ricky sees his, it's revealed that his dad is working there. Which, that's got to be kind of embarrassing, huh? <laughs> like, I'm going to play this clip. Um, Eddie Edwards' boss. God, I can't even like call him Eddie. Um, <laughs> he's surprisingly cool. Like, don't worry about it. I got the boxes. You just take table four, clean it off. And Edward has the nerve to say, hey, can I, like, talk to my kid first and then do table four? And Dom's like, how about this? You clean table four and then you talk to your kid next Tuesday. Edward has no idea how this type of job works, because he's never had a job like this before. No. I'm surprised that he didn't say, You're, you can talk to your kid when you have a break. But right now, I am paying you, you are on my time, and we are backed up, and you need to get this stuff done. Dick can't, okay. I gotta ask, did Kate know that Edward was there? Did she know that? I mean, because Edward comes over, he's like, Kate, I can't deal with this, I have to work. Nobody's asking you to deal with it right now. Did Ricky say, Dad, I have to talk to you right this instant? No. Then go do your thing and get table four. Ricky is in no way asking for, I mean, I know you want to give your son an explanation. But he's not requiring that of you right now. So why do you feel the need to have to explain yourself right this very second? Okay, so she does, Kate does know, as Edward says, I told you I want to keep, wanted to keep it a secret. Alright, I gotta say, I do admire the fact that Edward took what JT's dad said to heart. I, I admire that. I admire him doing this for, what, one night? Fine. You know, he's basically proving a point. And I applaud that. But what is this really, what are you really getting at? Just the fact that you're teaching your son that your dad can't always be there because I have a job. Or I'm going to break promises that I make to you because I have a job. Or, or something to that effect. I can't deal with this. I gotta work. Well, 
I think it's important for Ricky to know why you're here. I thought I told you I'd like to keep it a secret. I know, but I think he should know the truth right now. Eddie, clear off the table. Well, Dom, could I just first... Clear out? off the table! Edward, like, I understand you have to work, but I think you need to explain to your son why you're choosing to work, why you're here. And Edward's like, no, I told you I wanted to keep this a secret. And Kate's like, I understand that, but he's your son. You should tell him the truth right now. And we cut back to Don, who's like, Eddie, get this stuff taken care of. Dang, Dom's got a uh, very authoritative yell. Like, uh, that guy does, his voice does sound like he's been smoking for 40 plus years. Like, he started when he was 10. As he screams at Edward to clear off the table, and Edward takes their table and, and wraps it up in the tablecloth as Kate quickly grabs her purse out of that as Edward is just, basically he's, Pulling the tablecloth up and kind of almost like a tr putting together a trash bag and just taking everything. Like. So Edward gathers his things, the tablecloth and everything, in that little plastic tray. And he's like, son, why don't you go home? I will talk to you later. And Ricky wants an answer now. He's not going to wait. And Ricky starts following Edward behind the counter. I'm like, buddy, you can't be back there. You're not an employee. So Ricky, of course, is angry. He feels he's been lied to. It's like you said you had a business meeting. Why are you here? You're supposed to take me to that game. You lied to me. So Ricky feels he's been deserted. And Edward says, son, when you came into my life, I promised you that I would not treat you like my father treated me. And make the same mistake. And Ricky's like, which one is that? And Edward says, well, the one where my father had no time for me. So Edward is going along and filling glasses of water. He takes it. This lady's getting ready to take a sip out of this glass. He pulls it right out of her hand and refills it. So Edward says, you know, I've tried to spend every time I possibly can with you. But lately, you've been taking advantage of the fact that you think I should be available at the drop of a hat at a moment's notice for whatever you need want. So now Edward, or Ricky's like, well, yeah, but don't, he's guilty and saying, like, what, you don't like, don't you like doing things with me? And he's like, yeah, I like doing things with you. But Edward says, you are getting an unrealistic idea of what it's like for other people. I don't know, what do you guys think about this lesson? Do you think this is valid? As far as he's, Edward, I understand he's trying to prove a point to his son, as in, I'm doing this to show you that... I can't always be there for you even though I say I'm going to or, or something to, to that effect. Like, you have me all the time. A lot of kids don't have their fathers or parents. They have to work so they don't get to spend time with them. So who is this really benefiting? Neither of them really. I, I mean, maybe. So Ever tells Ricky by putting a hand on either of his shoulders, most families do not have the advantages that we do. You know, I work from home a lot, so I get to see you, like, all the time. That's not really that realistic. Whereas some parents have to work outside of the home, and they work all the time, that they don't get to see their kids 
who they're providing food for and clothes for and everything. Like, parent, you're, you're providing for your kids so much and you're sacrificing so much of yourself and your time that you're kind of missing out on seeing your, your kid grow up and, you know, everything. And in a way, it's like, we, we have that. And I think he wanted... I, I, I kind of get it now. I guess I, I, I kind of see it, how Edward wanted Ricky to see that what it's like to have a parent that isn't there every time you turn around to want something. So, I was surprised when I heard this, that Edward actually, this is where JT's father works at a pizza place? Why did I think he worked in a, fa he might work in a, fa that might be his other job. He works in a factory during the day and then at the night, at night. He's working in a pizza parlor. But Edward wanted to have, give JT and his father that quality time to go to that Harlem Globetrotters game. So he's doing JT's dad solid by saying, hey, I will take over for one night so you can get that night with your kid. So are the other kids too young? He's got, like, two other siblings. Do they not want to? I mean, they had an extra ticket. Why didn't they? Oh, what? no, but if they did, if they invited one of the other kids and then one kid would feel left out, I don't know. Maybe the other two are like the younger kids that would not be able to sit through a basketball game. So, of course, this is, uh, Ricky takes this as, I'm sorry, Dad, I didn't know. I thought it was because you were getting bored with me. And then he gets into this thing about how he got a pogo stick that he used for three weeks Got tired of it after he got a yo-yo, and he the pogo sticks in the in the garage, and and Edward's like, you could never be my pogo stick. I will will never get tired of you. You will always be my yo-yo. So I'm noticing here because we're getting a shot of uh, Joel Higgins's arm and, um, Ricky, Ricky's face here, and the whole time that Edward was, like, running around, you know, filling people's water glasses and stuff, it looks like he got a droplet of water on his arm, because that's all it's, like, my eyes are focusing on as we are getting, um, Ricky, who, this kid can tear up at the drop of a hat. He is that good. Even for the littlest instances, when it calls, it calls for him to be upset or for a realization moment. So, they hug, they have this beautiful father-son moment, and not only does the audience clap, but the patrons that are at the two tables start applauding. Well, that one table does. I think everyone else... Wait, are the people in the back applauding? No, never mind. It's just that one table of four people that are applauding. So, Kate excuses herself like, Hey, I gotta get back to the house. Help Dexter with the tax audit. You can stay here with your dad, Rick. They didn't even order anything. So, the whole point of this... So, that's why she brought him. I thought it was just some random, like, Hey, let's go get something to eat somewhere. So that's because she got tired of listening to Ricky badmouth his dad. Like, my dad's never here for me. He's got no time for me. And he lied and blah, 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 blah. So that's what she's like, let's go out for pizza. Okay, so, see, like I said, I've not seen these episodes. 
So what I'm seeing, I'm watching this along, and I am getting surprised at certain things I think will happen that either do or do not happen, or I get totally, like I said, I was surprised. I thought that Edward just did that just to, like, prove a point to his son, but he was actually filling out for JT's father for one night. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's creative and very nice. Okay, um, clearly Ricky Stratton got a little uh, emotional there as he wipes away a couple tears. His eyes are wet. Like, oh, Got worked up, Dad. I'm sorry. Oh, so at least we do get a call to uh, Ricky referring to Kate as his dad's girlfriend and Edward and Kate kiss as she leaves. Aww. So I'm going to play this clip. Rick, son, why don't you go home? I'll talk to you later, okay? I got to work now. No, I'm going to talk about it right now. I mean, you, you were supposed to have a business meeting. How come you're here instead of taking me to that game? How come you deserted me? Oh, son, I didn't desert you. Look, when you walked into my life, I promised myself that I wouldn't make the mistake my father did. Which one? I wonder you didn't spend enough time with me. Son, I resolved that if anything, I spent all the time possible with you, but lately you began to decide that I should be available at a moment's notice. Well, don't you like doing things with me? Well, of course I like doing things with you, Rick, but I think you're getting an unrealistic idea of the way it is with other families. What do you mean, unrealistic? Here. <laughs> Son, most families and most people don't have the time and the advantages that we do. In fact, there are millions of fathers out there every day put in tough days at tough jobs just so their kids can have the very basics. The ironic thing is, when those fathers get home, it's either so late or they're so tired, they don't even have time to enjoy being with the kids they're doing it all for. I still don't understand why you're here. Well, I'm filling in for JT's father so he can have one night to spend with his oh, son. Oh, okay. See, I'm really glad you told me this because I, I thought the reason you didn't take me tonight was because you were getting bored with me. Bored with you? Yeah, like I wasn't new to you anymore. It's like when I got my pogo stick. I was hopping on that thing every day for three solid weeks. Then I got my glow-in-the-dark yo-yo and I forgot all about my pogo stick. <laughs> I was sitting in the garage next to a ripped-up old barco lounger. <laughs> I was afraid I was becoming your pogo stick. Son, you could never be my pogo stick. You are and always will be my yo-yo. I mean, you know what I mean. I never could get bored with you. Never. Oh my gosh, the uh, patrons are applauding. Guys, I'd better get back to the house and help Dexter finish up preparing for that tax on it. Okay, Kate. Okay. Thank you for bringing it. I'll see you, huh? Dad, is it okay if I stay and help you clean up? I can use all the help I can get. Oh, Dom. Uh, listen, Dom. I'm really very sorry. I promise you, I won't mess up anymore. It's okay, Eddie. <laughs> bye, guys. Oh, bye, <laughs> Of course, Ricky wants to stay and help clean up. 
Eddie apologizes to Dom, says, hey, look, I'm sorry, I won't make any more mistakes. As Kate waves goodbye, Edward goes to wave his hand, cutting through that stack of pizza boxes and waves, knocking them to the floor right against the chair of the guy that's seated across from that table where the pizza boxes are. All right, now it's closing time. Oh, they look so cute in their aprons and their paper hats. It's so cute. So Ricky's like, I don't understand why you put the tables on top of the chairs at closing time. Well, Ricky, you see your dad's got a mop there. And, um, well, it's kind of hard to mop when you have all those chairs on the floor. That's why you do it. Because you want to do a nice, clean, full job. So while Edward and Ricky are mopping the floor, because sometimes you can get it done a lot faster, if one of them is at one end of the floor and the other is at the other end instead of you're on one side and the person's right next to you mopping, it would be more efficient if you started at one end and the other person started at the opposite end and you'll make your way to the middle. JT's father comes in. Wouldn't you, like, lock that door once you're close? Because now anybody could come in there and try to rob you. LB, that is JT's dad's name. Okay, because they only go by initials. So, uh, LB talked about the game and how great it was. And he thought that, um, because the Harlem Globetrotters came at him and JT with a bucket, he thought they were going to get soaked. Turns out the bucket was full of confetti. It's like, oh, those Harlem Globetrotters are a hoot. So he asks how it went, and Eddie, uh, <laughs> Edward's like, oh, well, Dom, yeah, he yelled at me a couple times, but I guess that's just how it is, right? And LB's like, well, no, he never yelled at me. So Ricky talks about how, you know, oh, it's hard work and everything, but I got paid in free pizza, so that was awesome. And LB thinks... Edward again, like, hey, you should have seen the look on JT's face when I told him I could go to the game. It, The picture, I mean, it was worth a million bucks. It was so great to see that smile on his face. I'm sure he can't remember the last time he saw that kid smile. So LB pats Ricky on the shoulder, says, hey, your dad's a heck of a guy. And... Edward's like, yeah, I just did this for one night, but, I mean, you gotta come back here night, night after night. So, I mean, you're the real hard worker here. And we hear, of course, a novelty horn, and JT's outside, and LB says, hey, we're gonna head home, we're gonna catch the little bit of hee-haw that's left. And LB shakes Ricky's hand and Edward's hand, and then he takes off. And we don't ever see JT again. The last scene we saw him in was when he was leaving to go to the Globetrotters game with his dad. That was his final scene of the show. Oh, I, I'm playing this clip of um, LB coming in. And then, of course, the guy's getting paid, which I can't imagine it's going to be much because of all the stuff that was, like, messed up. Like, I'm giving you $10. <laughs> Each of you get ten bucks. That's something I don't stand is how can we put the chairs on the tables at closing time? Ah, uh, I had to ask. <laughs> hey, Stratton. LB. Hey, this is my son, Rick. Hi. Pleased to meet you. So how was the Globetrotters game? <laughs> it was fantastic. One of them came at us with a bucket. 
JT and I thought for sure we were going to get soaked, but it was full of confetti. Ooh, those guys are a hoot. <laughs> so how'd it go tonight? Oh, it was all right. Dom yelled at me a couple of times. I guess that's just the way he is. Uh, nope. Uh, never yelled at me. <laughs> huh. Well, Rick was a big help. Yeah, the work was pretty hard, but I got to eat a lot of free pizza. Hey, Stratton, I, I want to thank you again. Tonight was uh, real important to me. JT and I enjoyed that game a lot, and we got a chance to talk and, and spend time together. Oh, that's great, LB. And you should have seen the look on his face when I told him I could go. It's worth a million bucks. Your father's an okay guy. Hey, I'm only filling in for you tonight. You got to be here every night. Well, maybe I'll get JT to come in and help me out sometime. <laughs> I need JT. We're going to go home and catch the last half hour of hee-haw. <laughs> Together. about like 450 460 an hour for 8 hours which i guess came out to like $36 although Edward broke a bunch of plates and Ricky ate a lot of pizza did you think that was for free apparently not because Dom's like yeah you know what you just give me $16 we'll call it even <laughs> you get nothing and you have to pay me and that is the episode. I'm gonna, I liked this episode. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I really like, I mean, it was JT's last appearance, the actor uh, Bobby Fit, Bite, F I T E, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but he did a good job for his last appearance. And I really liked his dad kind of giving um, Edward a piece of his mind. And kind of showing Edward, like, we don't all have it as easy as you. And I liked that Edward took that to heart. And he decided to give up a night and work at a pizza place. Which turned out to be LB, JT's dad's job, for one night. So he could take his son out and spend quality time with him at a ba uh, basketball game. So that was really, really nice. And I like that Kate, let's see, one, two, three, that she took Ricky there to see Edward because he was bad-mouthing his dad. Like, my dad doesn't love me. He doesn't spend time with me. He broke my pro that promise and blah, 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 blah. So she got fed up. Like, hey, and I was surprised. I like that it's surprised. I got surprised twice in this episode. The first time, of course, was when it was revealed that um, Edward was working there to help out JT's dad. I had no idea. I just thought he, like, picked a place, like, I'm gonna work for one night just to prove a point to my son. 
And then I also thought it was interesting that, I guess, Kate knew about that. So I just thought, it, like I said, it was random that she just, like, hey, let's just go to this pizza place. So I got surprised face. See, that's what I like about this. The fact that I've never seen these episodes and I'm getting surprised and I'm watching them and you're listening along with me. And I'll think one thing happens and something else happens. So it's just, it's fun. Um, I knocked a point off because Ricky's attitude and then the whining and everything. That's why I played that that little clip from the movie Drawing Mona because I'm like, I gotta do this because it's just too funny not to. Um, lesson learned. Um, Silver Spoonful is going to be this. You understand that parents work. Sometimes they're not able to. They gotta miss out on things. And it sucks for them. And it sucks for the kid. Um, Honestly, the parents don't make a promise to your kid. If you feel that you can't, like, meet that, I'm not going to call it an obligation because it's not. But if you can't, you know, meet meet that, um, you know, arrangement, whatever you want to call it. If you can't do it, if you feel that there's an 80% chance that you are not going to be available to go to an event or something for your kid. Don't make that promise in and in just like, sure, I'll be there. Don't do that. Because that upsets the kid. The kid would probably rather you flat out say, I can't do it, instead of saying, I'll try. Like, don't say, I'll try to do it, because you're just filling your kid's heart with empty promises. And no kid, I'd rather... If I were the kid, I'd rather you f tell me flat out, and then if something works out where it works out, and you show up as a surprise, isn't that better? I think that's better. That way the kid isn't 100% disappointed instead of, they're only partially disappointed instead of completely disappointed because you've made a promise and then it turns out you can't keep it, right? That's what I don't like. I don't like people like, hey, I can't make any promises, but if you do this, this will happen, and then it turns out not to. And that, I get so angry, and I'm an adult. Like, oh, you might be able to leave early. Oh, you might have tomorrow off, and it turns out, oh, sorry, you gotta work. I'm like, no! No! I hate that. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Like, just tell me, don't tell me, and then wait till the last minute is better. Or, or whatever. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, the episodes coming next week. Alright, we have Season 2, Episode 13, entitled, I Want to Be Alone. Excuse me. Edward has arranged a mountain cabin for a relaxing family retreat with Ricky and Kate. Ricky invites Dexter as well... Oh, invites Dexter as well. When he learns he will be alone for the weekend, but Dexter ends up being more, being anything but relaxed. Remember Dexter's first appearance? Well, he said he's not the outdoorsy type. I guess Ricky was not there for that conversation. And Ricky, you know, he's got a good heart and everything. His heart's in the right place, but... Why did Dexter, if he didn't want to go, did he feel obligated? Like, I guess my employer's son is asking me maybe I should go. 
So real quick, I want to look up this Michael Crabtree who played LB, Martin, JT's dad. This guy was in The Life of David Gale? I've seen that movie. He played a governor. I don't remember that. He's definitely in a lot of shows that, I mean, this guy is probably a Texan clear and true down to the bone. What is it? I want to see if it says, like, this guy grew up in, um, personal details. Was this also known as Michael Weston Crabtree. Well, that doesn't help me. What does it say about this guy here? It doesn't say anything about him, really. I mean, nothing that really garners any real information. I mean, he may be dead for all we know. It doesn't even list this man's birth date. What was the last thing he did? 2017. Well, then he, well, he might still be alive. I mean, this was only two two years ago. There's like this wizard thing. Is that like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Oh, he was only, okay, in one episode. He was in Dukes of Hazard and the A-Team, which is funny because, um, Mr. T was on, uh, Season 1 episode of Silver Spoon. So that's kind of cool. What's Is this wizard based on the... Uh, oh. A centric little person inventor has adventures battling evil around the world. I thought it was like that thing where like some movies come out in the 80s and then they make some like short-lived sitcom about it. No. No, that's not it with this. Hey, it's got Fran Ryan, the lady who played... um. Mrs. Peavy and the, um, Punky Brewster, um, Love Thy Neighbor Halloween episode. I always say neighbor and not neighbor. It's pronounced neighbor. Also, next week we get season two, episode 14, entitled Mr. Cool. Ricky tries to change to a more edgy image in order to impress some girls, but when they pressure him into things he doesn't want to do, like the Dine and Dash thing, life on the edge starts to make him uncomfortable. If that's the worst that they ask you to do, Ricky... <laughs> so this lady... This lady... <laughs> girl, Wendy Brenner? Brainard, B R, it's like brain and then A R D. Um, I'm gonna go over her. Um, oh, the last thing she did, she does not act anymore. She was in Don't Tell the, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead as Jill. Um, okay. She was probably Christina Applegate's character's friend. She was in Teen Witch. She was in Webster. Kids in Court. Wow, she was a dancer on that Kids Incorporated show. What's Cartbusters? She was a she's a dancer. So this girl dances. She was in an episode of The New Leave to Beaver. Um, Silver Spoons, she played in two episodes of Is this the same girl? Is this the same girl? Oh my gosh. What? Wait a minute. The, no, hold on a second. Hold on. Something no, is this this might not be the same hold on. Something you know, this is not the one. This is not the girl. Dang it. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. It's not. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. Dang it. No, let me go back. Okay, what's the girl's name? Is it Carol? Is it? It might be. That might be her. That might be the one I'm thinking. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Her name is Krista Denton. She was in two episodes of Growing... Three! Three episodes of Growing Pains. Fast Times at Dewey High, she played a girl named Elaine. Really shy, sweet, beautiful girl. And then she played in season three of Growing Pains, A Star is Born, and Broadway Bound. She played 
Monica Shackelford. Okay, and she played Elaine in... Okay. So, the, yeah, this is the girl. Okay. She plays Nicole in season two, Mr. Cool. She plays a girl... What the heck's her name? Carol. She plays Carol. Same type of character. Snotty. I remember this episode. It's... We won't get to it until season four. Called Rick at 16. Rick asks two girls to be his date at his 16th birthday party. Okay, I remember that girl. Yeah, because it's they play the 16 Candles birthday song, which I guess if a guy's into it, cool. Um, But she looked at this invitation gets passed to this girl who's kind of, you know, Rick is not romantically interested in her in any way. He's not physically attracted to her in any way. And she gets invited to the party when he intended to invite this Nicole, who is really, she's not nice. She's snooty and just plain ugly attitude. If this weren't a clean podcast, I would say what she really is. Um, (laughs) She, I remember the episode where the song is playing and the girl makes a comment about the dress that the girl Julie, the un- I guess if you want to call her slightly unattractive girl is wearing like, oh, did she take a shower curtain and wear it as a dress or something to that effect? I remember watching that episode on TV on a rerun. And it's just, this girl, it's amazing her char- two characters on Silver Spoons are so vastly different from her two characters that she played on Growing Pains. So, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. So, those are the ones we will be doing next week. And, whoopsie. Oops, 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 oops. For that, we'll be doing Derek's final episode, St. Louis Blues, and A Hunting We Will Be Go... <laughs> Hunting We Will Go will be the next one, so... All right, that'll be for not next week starting tomorrow, but the following week after that. So, all right, everyone. Oops, I still have this thing paused. <laughs> Turn that off. Um, all right, that is the episode. I hope you all enjoy it. You have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We're actually forecasted to get snow tomorrow, and that stinks. But as I've said before, probably on this podcast, in April in Michigan, we have been known to get ice storms. I remember two of them. One was in the year 2000 during my junior year spring break, and we lost power. And the other one was in 2003. I worked at the video store. I was living on my own at the time in my apartment. I remember that drive. The roads were covered in ice and just take getting home so late and being so tired and it's just really really scary um let's see what's the forecast oh yeah snowflake for sunday 30 percent at 8 a.m goes up to 60 percent at 9 and then goes to 90 percent